AM Caffeine Morning Show. It's your boy DLC. Wake your punk ass up. It's Wednesday, dog. Moe what's happening, homie? What's happening? It's, I'm still recovering from uh, 4th of July yesterday. Right, what'd you do? Ate a bunch of barbecue. Yeah, I can expected. tell because you look like, you know, I know you're trying to get back to your fighting weight. Yeah, not but that, that, that's a long way away. You yeah. got to be at least pushing what? Three, what, three, <laughs> three fifty? No, I'm not there yet. Not but, there yet. Yeah. AM caffeine show. You know, way back Wednesday, we was, we always have special guests. Let me shout out to uh, Eric B, who was our uh, our guest last week, right, Smooth? Yes, sir. Really dope interview with Eric B. Man, he answered all the questions. Yeah, considering I didn't, I thought he was a mute. Right. Um, when he came in, he was he a spoke. little, a little silent. Yeah, and then once he got on the mic, it was really, really dope, man. You can go to um, SoundCloud AM Caffeine Show uh, backslash, and um, you can find all the crap there too. Take a gander. So today, special guest. I've been trying to get this guest on for a minute. We've kind of just been trying to work out um, his busy schedule, and what. One of the main, main reasons that um, I wanted to have him on is because I think that what he has contributed to one of the most, more iconic groups um, of my time, of, of, of me growing up in, in you know, and being immersed in the uh, hip hop culture and, and, and R&B. And then when you're trying to, to bridge those two genres together, I think one of the most influential groups to do that by far is Bell Biv DeVoe. And this producer, you know, was part of carving their sound. And me being a fan of, of them and always hearing about this production crew wolf and epic i would always hear their name but not exactly being able to put a face with the name but i would always hear it and like yo they they were the go-to guys you know of course you had dynamic duos like you know you had jimmy jam and terry lewis um you know, you had L.A. and Babyface. He had those kind of cats. But there was a new, you know, a, a, a new generation that um, helped really cultivate the culture of what we know as um, hip-hop today. The one and only epic is in the damn building today, dude. When I talk about legendary platinum producer, he's here, dude. Epic, what's going on, dog? Yes! <laughs> drop, drop the mic real quick, right? Can I get a cup of coffee? Yes, it's hey. early. It's early. It's very, I appreciate very that. Very early in the morning. I know morning. that you spend a lot. <laughs> you're in the studio late at night. So, I, you know, I, you know, getting you up this morning, I know um, I appreciate that, dude. I, I appreciate you. and uh, Oh, I love that. <laughs> and it's nice to be on, on the airwaves with a legend as yourself. Ow! <laughs> Man, flattery will get you everywhere. Um, so what's really dope is I, I was out with B, uh, BBD last week, just hanging out with them. And I told them, I was like, yo, I'm going to have, you know, Epic on, you know, on the show coming up. And I had Ricky here uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, man. And what did they say? Uh, actually, Ronnie was like, oh, like, word? Like, I haven't spoken <laughs> to him in so long. Like, word? You know? Um, we just texted not too long ago. Really? Yeah. Dope. With with who? Me and Ronnie. Me and Ronnie. Yeah, yeah who's, uh, me, me and him are super, super close. Yeah. Um, so, let's get into it, man. You've been producing since, uh, since 16? Yeah, how do you know? I know I got to do research. You got, you know you got, I got to kind of do work here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> gotta um, do, uh, got to do something. Got to do just something. Talk. Right, right. I can't. I just don't look like this. Um, so since you were sixteen, correct? Yeah, pretty much. I started out as a uh, as a drummer, um, right? And uh, I was I was playing sports in in high school, but. You know, you get to a certain age where that transition happens. Right. And that was at around 16. Okay. Uh, it just so happened that I sucked at school. So it's kind of <laughs> all worked out. No, me too. Let's make two of us. <laughs> so uh, I became ineligible to run on the track team anymore. Because <laughs> uh, those grades wasn't popping. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I was eligible to start making beats. Right, right. And, they didn't um, take a no. GPA. No, but uh, 
my high school experience was crazy. Um, so t- you moved from New York. You you were were you born in New York? I was born in New York. Yeah, uh, but I moved here. I was two. Okay, so, so L.A. is what you know. L.A. is what I know. But when your parents are from Brooklyn, that's pretty hard to get away from. Same thing here. I moved yeah. here when I was five years old, so L.A. is all I know, but yeah. all my family is still in New York. And yeah. for some, somehow, like, that's still in you. Yeah. No. Even though you're far removed the from cult, it. The culture is, is, is much different. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so basically, uh, yeah, I became ineligible, and, and there was a lot of music going on at my school. Um, you know, I went to school with Cube and... Uh, Danny Boy and Everlast from so you went, to, you went to Taft. I went to Taft, uh-huh. and it was pretty crazy. I mean, every day at lunchtime, we were all in the F Hall break dancing. Wow! And uh, had our lunchtime rap groups, and um, it was also interesting because it was a few years after um, what did they call it? Busing integration started, right? So you had uh, a culture clash um, happening in school. And it was just kind of really natural. Um, you had kids that had no real prejudices that never would have had a chance to interact. meet each other and interact, mm-hmm. interacting. And it was all good. And there were obviously there were kids on the fringes that had issues with it. But um, but for somebody like me, it was, you know, a blessing. So 16, going to Taft, like you said, you would with Ice Cube and some of these cats that have gone on to become legends did you you knew you had a passion for music but did you did you realize it was going to be from you know, like producing or 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 were you still trying to figure it out djing did you want to rap or kind of all that did so, you kind of have an idea i was i was djing and i was playing drums and um and i had some belt driven turntables and Ooh, and i was those. yeah and uh and a radio shack mixer and yep. um i was into hip hop new york hip hop right and everything that was happening in la was kind of mad corny right. at the time whoa hold um, up but yes <laughs> but at the same time there were some standouts i mean like you know like egyptian lover was cool come on hey man you know? don't come on don't don't get me to start <laughs> preaching dude because so, I told the Egyptian lover, I was like, dude, you were my Jay-Z. Like, yeah, yeah. Now I look back, like, his rhymes wasn't hot. But that's like, no. Egyptian lover was the dopest to me ever. Right. So there, there were some standouts like that. But um, but in order to really be a hip-hop fan back then, it, it took a lot of work. It right. doesn't, you know, it's not like today where you can kind of just sit in your bedroom and be exposed to everything. So when I had an opportunity to go back to New York and visit my family... That also meant, you know, recording Mr. Magic and Red Alert and WBLS and and Kiss FM and right. and buying Kazals and Kangols and right. and Adidas shell toes and and in colors you couldn't get here. Right. <laughs> and I right. would go and I would stock up and I'd come back home and I'd have my Lee jeans and Ooh. and and like it was weird. Like LA was really influenced by Prince. Not in a great way. Um, <laughs> not in the cool way. Right. Was it was, was it the lace joints? Or the lace. Was it, it was yeah, the lace. Yeah. I, I, you, you know, know I, didn't, I didn't do the lace, but I can understand. Yeah, I, I knew a couple cats that did. Right. So things started to turn, and there were all these cliques and crews and the sex jerks and the, you know, like all these like dance gangs. Dance crews. Uh-huh. And, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That would turn violent sometimes. It was really strange. Um but uh yeah so I just I started playing drums to uh to to things on the radio and right. and uh you know just to bring it back to BBD uh new edition was one of the things that when it you know it came on in my headphones and I'm playing drums and I'm visualizing myself on stage Stage. Wow. new edition was one of those bands that I could really see myself playing with right. because they were young right um and so in my head, I could actually take myself there and believe that that was happening. Right. It was either them or musical youth. Right, because it wasn't and, going to be the Commodores no. or the Earthwind Flyers. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and uh, they're still a few years older than me. But, you Understood. know. Understood. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so it's just so funny that, like, eventually, uh, it was only a couple of years later, I th- maybe my sophomore or junior year in high school, 
Taft High School won a, I think it was a Kiss FM here in LA contest to to have New Edition come play at their high school. So who was that Kiss FM? It must have been Rick Dees, right? Rick Dees. Yeah. Yeah. And so Taft High School won. I mean, it was a big deal. Like every class was filling out these postcards wow. and sending them in. And they came and played. And then all of a sudden, I, you know, I, I meet my boy Jay, uh, Jay Anderson. And he's like, yo, uh, you know, Ronnie's moving up the street and they're all moving here. And, and, uh, uh, and, Lots of love to Jay. He Shout out to like, all the Andersons because there's like yeah. about 20 of them. There's more That's Andersons right. than there is Wings. Yeah. So shout out to I, all I'm the I'm surprised Jaleel isn't here it, right now. He probably is. With a towel on his head. A- absolutely. <laughs> Jaleel and, and, and Jay works with Will I Am. Yeah, and, and yeah. yeah, love the Andersons. So uh, so, so I all of a sudden I meet, uh, you know, Ronnie DeVoe, and he's a hero of mine. And uh, and then I start a rap group with his younger brothers called the Throwdown Twins. Twins. Right. Wow. And so, so hold on, hold up, pause. Yeah. <laughs> because I knew about the Throwdown. You helped create the Throwdown Twins. Yeah. I, no way. <laughs> yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. I had no idea. Wow. And super cool, both of them, man. Rob yeah. and Rollins, super mm-hmm. cool cats. Wow. So you start the Throwdown Twins, and. So now what you're doing demos and you're trying to get a record deal. Is that what the deal is? I'm doing these tracks. Um, uh, going up to K-Day all the time and sitting with Greg Mack. Greg Mack. I, I don't even know how that happened. But he got a record deal on Motown. Uh-huh. Greg Mack presents. Uh-huh. And and he said, "Bring me. I want the Throwdown Twins and bring me whatever else you got. So I brought him a couple of groups and he had a few groups and he had this compilation record. And that was... The Throwdown Twins and Ronnie DeVoe was taking us into the studio. He's paying for studio time. And to me, I'm like, holy like, Right. I'm, I'm in the studio with Ronnie DeVoe. <laughs> That's a big know? deal, right? Yeah. And, um, and then he had a studio set up in his house. So, like, I'm ditching maybe at lunchtime and I'm showing up at his house and, and mom opens opens the door. I'm like one of the sons. Right. You know? Shout she, out to Florence. She, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, Flo opens the door. And she just go up, you right. know, and I go up to the studio and I'm locked in there. And then Ronnie, nobody's around. Then Ronnie shows up and I'm working on beats. It's just somewhere where I could work on my craft, I right. guess. Right. And um, and they go to to uh, to Minneapolis and, and do that record with. Um, so that's it. So then that's when they do the, uh, the album when Johnny joins the group. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm hmm. And um, it's, yes. And, and at that time, I started to put together this this wolf and epic thing um so wolf was um a songwriter who i was introduced to that i was going to start interning for okay just so i could start learning right and um and he 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 thought like man you need to be doing more than just this why don't we team up yeah team up and 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 do this so i was able to bring um bbd to the table because they came back and they were, they you know played the album for all of us and I'm losing my mind because I'm a huge Jimmy and Terry fan mm-hmm. and, um, and they, and they kind of just so said, they come back from Minneapolis playing you the album as a new edition album just yeah. so this is pre obvious this is pre BBD pre BBD right and basically they gave me like the lowdown like there's about to be something else there's about popping. to be something else <laughs> happening <laughs> and we want to keep you on tap because right. we want to kind of go with. The sound the that sound. you're working on, right? So, a little bit, you know, they had to they had to go through the the heartbreak run, and right? A precursor to that was um, me doing the remix to any heartbreak. Okay, wow. So, uh, so now I'm like hanging out with them. It's like so the any heartbreak remix is that the one that they did the, the video, video to? Yeah. Man, I'll slap the hell. That's out the of first thing I ever did. I'm gonna slap the hell out of him, dude. Yeah. So uh, I played that yesterday. <laughs> so they so they go, uh, hey, why don't you come to the studio with us tonight? There it is. Come on, Joe. <laughs> come on, Smoke. No, no, don't shut us down, Smoke. <laughs> don't shut us down. <laughs> so this was this was the first. Um, this would have been like your first official thing, like this production. Was, this was the first one. Yeah, I mean, I had the Throwdown Twins, but you know, Motown was a joke of a label, and and they didn't really push that right. And this was the first thing I ever did where it was like this was going to have some light on it. 
So you you go into the studio with New Edition? I go I go with them. They're working on a remix for another song or something. We're finishing something up for Heartbreak. And Lul Silas and Gerald Busby are at the studio. It was crazy to watch that movie. Right. Because I was there. I wasn't wow. in the movie, but I was I was there. Right. And uh, We need to talk to Jesse Collins, who had something to do with this movie, and find out why Epic wasn't in there. <laughs> Lawsuit coming. Go ahead. So, so we're at Sunset Sound, which I think is closed down now. Yes. The sign is still on the wall, though. Right. So we're at Sunset Sound, and I'm sitting on the couch, and, I, and literally, like, I don't look my age now, but I really didn't look, look like my real, age. Like I, really I look like, a, like really young. Like this, like, who, you know, like whose son is that, <laughs> you know? And so, and I think it was Mike that took the lead. He's like, yo, uh, <laughs> he's like, yo, yo, son, yo, son, yeah. Yo, yeah. yo, son, we want Epic to do the remix to any heartbreak. And, and, uh, Lil Silas says, is epic really? and, and I'm sitting on the couch and they point like over him, the, him the little young 13 yeah. year old and I'm like what up peace <laughs> hello <laughs> hey guys uh, so they were like just trust us trust us trust us and that was kind of like the any heart the any heartbreak remix was in a way the blueprint to BBD, BBD. yeah because that's definitely probably the most street that you had seen new edition probably since like Candy Girl, the Candy Girl video where they were kind of popping and yeah, doing some right, of the street dances. Right. Yeah. That was definitely some flavor of hip hop right there. Yeah. So, and then that goes on to be the video. Crazy. Right? Yep. If you could catch me right at the end of the video when they're on their scooters. Coming to the house. Coming to the house and the door opens, you'll see a little. Little white kid. A little white hey, kid. Hey, Epic! <laughs> You're right. That is him. Now, yeah. I see it in my head. Yeah. Um, so. That was at uh, Eddie Murphy's house. It was Eddie Murphy's wow. house at the time. Really? Yeah, yeah. In uh, Benedict Canyon. Right. Yeah. Wow. AM Caffeine Morning Show. Smooth D, hit me off. Wake up, wake up, wake up. It's time for the AM Caffeine Morning Show. in the building. Man, you dropping I had no idea. Wow. <laughs> so, you go from that. How much longer after that then is the BB thing, BBD thing happening after the uh that remix video and all that comes out? Was it was it kind of quick? I don't remember, man. I think I've done too many drugs. It couldn't have been that long. Uh, right. <laughs> Uh, it couldn't have been that long. It was kind of right on the heels of it. Right. It was cause, because, because, even actually watching watching that movie did kind of put some things, things into in perspective. In perspective you. Because yeah. you got to understand, at that time, um, there were a lot of um, forces kind of pulling them apart a little bit. Uh-huh. You know, mm-hmm. wanting to do solo mm-hmm. stuff. So it was a natural thing, and so you know, it was Jimmy and Terry that dropped that you know, do this Bell Biv DeVoe thing right. in their head, and uh, and obviously they had an image of how they wanted it to sound. So they come they come back, and then it was about like working on demos, and and they were fielding tracks from other producers, you know, mostly on the East Coast or here, and uh, yeah, and then we put it together, and so <clears throat> when they start looking for other you know material for the bbd album were you involved in a process like did you hear like did you hear poison before can did that did some of those songs kind of give you a direction of like what you wanted to do they did i think some of the stuff that i was working on probably gave them a direction right. and definitely stuff that i was hearing that you know that they were bumping gave me a direction too it was right. just 
a lot of weed smoke in the air and uh-huh. a lot of time sitting in Range Rovers listening to the same songs mm-hmm. over, over, and and over and over again. Right. So after that comes out, and we know the success of BBD's first album, then BBD's the the remix album goes goes platinum. That was my album, right? I call it my album, <laughs> as you should. Yeah. So on that remix album, how many songs did you have on that album? Like four, I think. Right. Yeah. So now, when that comes out, how sought how how sought after are you now? How like people are now coming to you for production? Yeah. It was crazy. Like, it doesn't exist like that anymore. Maybe it does for, like, two or three people. Yeah, Pharrell and Timbaland. Right. (laughs) Right. But basically, it was like, you know, just as an example, getting a call from um, Benny Medina or who was it? Somebody at at Warner Brothers. And and it was probably around 1030 or 11 in the morning. And they said, we got this new artist named Seal. Um, (laughs) the, The single is called Crazy. And we want you to do the remix. We could have a check messengered over to you by 1230. No way. Yeah. No, that definitely doesn't happen. No, no more. No more. And so um, so that that's kind of how it was. And then it was. Um, so at that point, do you, were you looked at more as a, a remix producer as opposed to going there and just doing, you know, helping with the, the to mold the album or were cats coming to you like you know we know that you can give us this extra sound to give more life to the song it was both yeah it was both I, I love doing remixes um, because it was an opportunity to kind of put more of our personal stamp or my personal stamp and my own personal feelings was mm-hmm. a, it was a chance for me to put more of my personal stamp on something a little more than you can when it's for the album because mm, right. as a producer when you're producing an artist's album you're trying to make the best version of that artist for that album whereas on a remix the artist is coming to you mm-hmm. for you to put to more do, of your, well, your stamp, stamp on, on it. it right so i liked doing both and i was learning how to really produce at that time and learning how to work with artists and definitely did both and got to work with like crazy like new kids on the block and and i turned down crazy i turned down color me bad because they were to me they were like a like i already did bell biv devote why do i I want to do color me bad right but if i could go back and talk to myself back then i would say do that that. (laughs) and make it real hot (laughs) yeah make it real hot right and um and market the out of yourself and i was learning how to market myself and i wanted to market myself i mean i wrote that rhyme for for do me baby mm-hmm. smooth and slow sexy tempo right. hey, yeah at the end of it they go yo wolf and epic bring the instrumental right and um i was trying to do that and there wasn't you know there wasn't there wasn't already a puffy there wasn't already a timberland there wasn't i mean they existed but the whole concept of marketing yourself as and a producer yourself right mm-hmm. as it exists now didn't really exist so i didn't really have a mo- a roadmap so right looking back it's like oh man look at all those opportunities i could have yeah. maybe handled differently but you know it is what it is it's all good wow That's so crazy, dude. it really is so after that how long was your run of just being like you said, getting those calls at 10 in the morning and a check coming to you in a couple of hours. Like, how long was that real run for Wolf and Epic? Uh, up until we kind of, up until we broke up, got basically because um, me and Wolf split because I, I found myself doing records that I wasn't excited to do anymore. And I felt. So at that point, was it, it was just about the check it, 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 at that point? At that point, I wanted to be 21 struggling and making hip hop records. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I was 21 and, and not making hip hop records. So I got a chance to meet, um, MC search from third base. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> and he wanted to work with me and I, I wanted to move to New York for a few months and, and, make hip-hop records and that's what i did and that was kind of the end of of wolf, wolf and epic. epic so um, you just kind of had a conversation said hey you i want to go another direction basically or... it was a little more contentious than that than uh-huh. that but <laughs> that, that, <clears throat> that was the gist of it right yeah. so you go to new york and then you and, so then who do you start to work with in new york by yourself 
Yeah, no, exactly. And but you gotta also understand that, like, I was also doing a lot of stuff here that was that I was pushing that way. Like, I had you know, like Blood of Abraham, and then after Cube and Dre left, Ruthless, um, uh, Easy, and and Jerry Heller brought me in as as a new kind of creative force to help with that situation. And I brought them Blood of Abraham and. So, and so, Black Black, Peas so, the, and, so and that was the Abban Ab- clan. Ab- Abban Ab- clan. clan, right? Exactly. Um, was so, how was the relationship with Easy? Great, I loved Easy. Easy was. Uh, I, I I often wish I had a camera phone with me all the time because mm. I mean the, the shit that I saw with him was nuts. Like he, you he of- would show up every day at my house because I lit. He lived. Like two exits away from me, uh-huh. Woodland Hills, right? And so I lived in this uh, place called the Summit, and it was a gated community, but it was townhomes. It right? Wasn't, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how he got in every day, <laughs> but he, usually I get a call, but it, I wouldn't get a call when it was easy. It was just a knock right on, on the, the door. door. And I open the door, and the first thing that comes through the door is a big cloud of smoke. Right. And then Easy laughing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and uh, and he's like, hit this. You know? And then, like, get dressed. You know? And I was living with um, Mazik from Blood of Abraham, and uh, my boy Yomo was also living there, too, from Yomo Maki. Remember that? Yes, yes. So, uh we just it was a lot of days of just getting in the car with him and just, just like rolling, rolling and, and I remember one day we pulled up to the um hotel right here on Highland, one of those near the Hollywood Bowl. Uh-huh. And he's like, I gotta make this stop real quick. And we go into like this uh conference room on the ground floor and there's all this press there and I none of us had any idea what was going on and it was a press conference that he was giving um after he got uh kidnapped by Shook. What? Yeah. And I'm like oblivious to any, what's going, right. anything that's going on. I'm like, what the f***? So what What did you think about the uh, Straight Outta Compton movie? I thought it was a great movie, but I also, you know, I think that, you know, there's a, there's definitely a side to every, you know, there's every story, every side has a story. And right. I think that, that if, if Jerry was able to tell his story, you know, it would have been totally, yeah, totally. Maybe different. not totally different, but there's a there's a there's an area in the middle where it doesn't exactly gel, right? You know, how was your relationship? And, and you with don't him? get easy story either. Absolutely right. Yeah. You get that from somebody else's yeah. perspective. But the movie was an amazing movie. How was your How was your relationship with Jerry? Great, great. Yeah, I, I, I often had. You like to have breakfast. I often had breakfast with him. You know, up until recently. Get your morning started the right way with the AM Caffeine Morning Show. Famous, epic producer. Um, so, what do you go on to produce at uh, Ruthless? So, you do Brother Brother Abraham, mm-hmm. at Band Clan, right? And that was it. That was that. So, um, so you do that. You have that's popping here. You had stuff going on in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I was with uh, Search. We went up to Russell Simmons' place, and I had to sit there while. Search tells Russell that third base isn't going to do another album. Oh, yeah. How was that, that conversation? Yeah, that, I felt really comfortable. <laughs> 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 it was almost as comfortable as, uh, you know, like, you know, you want who to do remix your record? You right. Know, it's like, me, hello. Right, yeah, right. I'm the reason why that one of my favorite groups is going to break up. Now. Right. I wasn't the reason, but like, I, it, you know, Search was working on solo stuff and I was one of the producers that he was working with and I just so happened to be with him 
the day that he wanted to go tell Russ. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you. Yeah. So how long did you stay? How long did you stay in New York before you then come? You know, you kind of come I was back. Just, I was there just, a few a few months, maybe three. to I can't remember. Let's just say somewhere in between three and six months, and I had to come back home. Uh huh. And um, I was working a lot at a studio downtown in New York called Chunking. Yes. And um, uh, got to meet heroes of mine like the Beat Nuts and and just all these cats that I, you know, musically in hip hop, that's, you know, what I strive to be. And like, they were really cool. I remember meeting the Beat Nuts and um, they couldn't believe that all I did was produce for a living and they were still like they had day jobs i'm like what, what? <laughs> are you kidding me right yeah um so now so now let's get into so that that run that run happens you come back to you, when you come back to la are you then still striving to continue to make those kind of records or are you then you know um, yeah no so I, I i come back and um and at this time, we're, I'm still kind of working with Appian Clan, mm-hmm. and Will introduces me to um, Shifty, who I started Crazy Town with. And the reason why was because I had a loft downtown L.A. here with my studio, and it was just like, it was like, you know, like um, uh, Fantasy Factory? Okay. It was kind of mm-hmm. like that. It was like just hip-hop all day and night, and and, you know, just a lot of great MCs coming in, and a lot of amazing artists all around and um and i'm rapping and singing and and being an artist and and will was like you should start your own group i got i know somebody who i think might work with you mm-hmm. that might it might click it right. might, might have something so he he brought shifty who was basically just like a club kid that he knew that rapped right and um and we started working on some demos, and it went through a few different iterations, and um, and people around town were getting our our music. So, as part of that, where did DJ AM fit into that? Um, so AM was one of our friends, and uh, and he was a DJ. And you got to understand, at this time, I'm still considering myself a DJ, right? And so we go to AM's apartment. And so I'm ready to battle AM. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to battle. I haven't met him yet, but Shifty's like, you got to meet my boy AM. Um, AMG is what we called him at the time. Uh-huh. And uh, we go into his apartment and uh, he goes off for about 10 seconds. And you're like, I'm cool. I don't yeah, want I'm, no I'm part done. of that. I'm good. <laughs> I'm a rapper. Right. I, I'm a right, producer. Right. <laughs> Uh, and so, yeah, he became the DJ of Crazy Town. We started Crazy Town, and wow. um, so he's the is he the first DJ at Crazy? Because what wasn't shout out to to uh, my homie DJ uh, Adam, Adam Twelve, who's was yeah. who was Alphabet and has gone through so many different names. So Adam Twelve and I also worked a lot together, but we were more so producing together. Okay. And this was, and I say that only because we were doing that even before Crazy Town. So we were producing and working on music together before Crazy Town. We started this thing called the Brimstone Sluggers. Okay. And 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 Adam was part of that. It just so happened that by the time, you know how things kind of evolve, by the time Crazy Town became something that was like really going to happen, um, Adam, I, I don't remember why, but Ad, it was AM and not Adam. Adam, right. But there was no love lost. Right, it absolutely. Was, nobody just expected anything to really substantial happen. to right, happen. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Shout out to my boy, uh, uh, DJ Adam 12, who was like one of my first DJs when I started kind of doing clubs. And we used to pay him 50 bucks and sometimes not at all. I just drove by where they do Aphex Yeah, today. Was, yeah, in Silver Lake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't really like that venue. I haven't I, been there. Yeah, it's not hot. But I love the concept of Aphex, and I've been rocking with it since he first started. He's one of my favorite DJs. And a really good dude. Very, very cool. So Crazy Town takes off, and when it blows up and and, and you have a number one song on Billboard and all across on the charts is um, DJ AM still in the group when it's, when it's, when it's cracking? Yeah, AM was still in the group. Um, uh, we were all kind of going through um, issues at the time. Okay, and uh, AM got sober. Okay, and um, 
And so right before uh, everything started popping for us, it was Shifty had to go to rehab. Right. And so he went to rehab, and I told him uh, he had to. It was like court ordered. All right. <laughs> wasn't voluntary. Yeah, wasn't voluntary. <laughs> and I was like, all right, you go, you you take care of what you got to take care of, and you know, I'll do my thing here. And uh-huh. then you know, I got into some trouble, and then mine was court ordered too, basically. <laughs> and so and so we both get our shit together, and we both get out, and within eleven months, we had. Um, I had a friend of mine shopping Crazy Town. I didn't want any of the A&R people to know it was my group because okay. I didn't want it to get signed because they knew it was my group. Right. I didn't want that. I wanted them to. I wanted whoever was going to sign it to sign it because they thought it was dope. Just stand on its own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so, yeah. So we ended up within, it was 11 months, we had a bidding war. And I mean, it was crazy. And it was like, I'm kind of, you know, I, I, I try to be virtuous and Columbia Records all gave us everything. They basically said, what do you want? What's your wish list? And it, we didn't shoot for the moon. It was just kind of like, you know, we want a commitment of X amount of dollars so we can do X amount of videos. We wanted commitment of, you know, three singles. We want, you know, just basic stuff. And it wasn't like crazy numbers. And then at like the 11th hour, Mo Austin at DreamWorks calls us in. And says, I'll double whatever Columbia Records. Whoa. Columbia, I'll holler at you, dog. I got to go. But DreamWorks had not yet had a... They didn't a have any yet. music, though. They were just known for films and, and, and animation right. and, and so, all that stuff. So that kind of scared me. Right. And so, like, me and Shifty are going like, damn, like, we could have our Escalades now. now. <laughs> <laughs> with rims. <laughs> but we're like, no, I mean, we got to stick with, like, a proven worldwide... You know, brand brand in Columbia Records, Sony Columbia Records, and and um, you know it's things like that. You look back, and 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 the answer to DreamWorks not signing Crazy Town was was Papa Roach. Oh, wow. yeah. So you you sign with Columbia, um, and then that debut album, and you have a debut single that was so that was the first single. No, 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 no. Butterfly wasn't the first single. No, we had a... The first single was a song called Toxic. And how did that do? Did great. Did great. We... I got us on OzFest. Okay. And uh, and, uh, it was all... You know, it was being played on K-Rock nonstop. I mean, we were a K-Rock band. Uh Uh-huh. And um, hip-hop definitely was not going to embrace us. Right, right. (laughs) Um, Right. And so we were a K-Rock band. And... We were invited on to OzFest, and we're playing the small stage at OzFest. And to all the listeners that don't know what OzFest is, is a huge, like, Lollapalooza-type uh, music festival that traveled around the country and featured some of your favorite artists, right. like uh, Marilyn Manson and Slipknot and Linkin Park and uh, just some, you know, heavy, heavy, Absolutely. you know. Um, and we were on the small stage and, you know, at that time, bands that were on the small stage were really heavy. I mean, like Slipknot and, you know, like bands like Head P.E. and the Deftones. And if you don't know them, it's just like if you're not into that kind of music, um, it's just crazy loud, crazy energy and crazy mosh pits and, you know, thousands of people jumping up and down. And the crowd's right there in front of you. It's not like playing the main stage where everybody's like 50 we're feet away. away from you. Right. Like You're scenes. right there. It's right there. And um, so we're we're doing that. And every city we go to, it's like, you know, we are the new, like, hype underground, you know, and we are the, you know, like. How was so that Limp Bizkit was out. Was, right? it, was, was it a situation because you guys are new? Did you. I mean, obviously, I'm sure there was a competition. And did you guys go out there like we're gonna try? We're trying to smash these guys. You, you know? mean the other bands? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, in a, in a in a in a in a cool kind of way, right? Right. Um, you know, because we're also like really excited to be playing with these with other these bands, bands because mm-hmm. in you know in my own head, it's like, damn, you know, there's there's stuff about all these other bands that I wish we had or mm-hmm. wish we could do. You know, it's just like you know, not that, not not in an envying kind of way, but just in a in a, in a pre, like, like, damn, I couldn't be in better company right now. Right. You know, I mean, you know, to you. Also, the thing was that Limp Bizkit was already out, and Limp Bizkit was really the band that that kind of 
the same way BBD was the first to kind of you know right because they, they were they R&B had rap hip-hop. they had that hip hop yeah uh-huh. Limp Bizkit was the first to the market with really kind of breaking out with big success with well, merging when you know, that happened and you saw that were you like kind of like dang I kind of wanted to have some hip hop into our stuff too did you uh, look at it like that well the difference between them and uh, no. I wanted to have a band as dope as theirs. Okay. Whereas, and I, I've talked to Fred about it. Even Fred says it. And, you know, he's, I love Fred. He's cool. He'll text me at weird times about weird things. And and, and his mind's always going. And I, it's crazy that we've never actually worked together. But he always told me, he's like, you guys were always way more hip hop. Right. You know, like you guys always had the way better rhymes and flow and kind of, you know, you, you we came from hip hop. And put a band together where he came from the band side of things and started incorporating hip hop. That right. was, you know, and so, um, yeah, so we, so we were doing Ozfest and then, and we had, you know, Toxic was the first single was really heavy. And then another song called Dark Side came out and that was kind of heavy. And then Butterfly was the third single. And that's what crossed over right. to, you know, became huge. Come my lady, come come my lady, you're my butterfly, sugar baby. Come my lady, come come my lady, you're my butterfly, sugar baby. Such a sexy, sexy, pretty little thing. This paper bitch, you got me sprung with your tongue ring. And I ain't gonna lie, cause your loving gets me high. So to keep you by my side, there's nothing that I won't try. Butterflies in her eyes and her looks to kill. Time is passing, I'm asking, could this be real? Cause I can't sleep, I can't hold still. The only thing I really know is she got sex appeal. I can feel, too much is never enough. You always gotta lift me up when these times get rough. I was lost, now I'm found, ever since you've been around. You're the woman that I want, so you're putting it down. Come, my lady, come, come, my lady. You're my butterfly, sugar, baby. Come, my lady, you're my pretty baby. I'll make your legs shake, you make me go crazy. Producer, multi-platinum producer, epic, dropping knowledge. So that album does what it, it does. What it does. The second album doesn't do doesn't do that well, right? No. Nope. Nope. And was that because it just wasn't that good, or was it? No, a lot. A lot of people. Most people think it's actually even better. Um, what happened was, um, just as far as Crazy Town is concerned, um, when the second album came out, it was. At the time that Napster came out. Okay. So we were kind of a victim of the record industry crumbling. And so where labels used to make a serious commitment into a band, there was a a number of things. The money wasn't, the money wasn't there and the commitment just wasn't there. Uh And at the same time, people are losing their jobs and Sony and Columbia were not the label to continue our success. Mm-hmm. They weren't, they didn't have those kind of relationships at Alternative and Rock Radio. So, for instance, Kevin Weatherly, who was the program director at K Rock, verbatim, he's saying, you know, I love the new Crazy Town single, but I can't go on it because I'm afraid that in two weeks, Kiss FM is going to be playing the same single. Wow. So their their radio promotion staff didn't have those like there was no real plan and so basically it was it was tough to get traction on it and at the same time Butterfly was such a a, a massive like one of those crazy hits that you just like it would have been better if it did half as well <laughs> right. you know like right sometimes your biggest hit becomes a gift and a curse exactly and that's what it was right so um so that's that's that that was the problem with the second album and because of the whole napster thing and the record industry crumbling and and uh like donnie einer who was the president of columbia records who was very respected and and um uh he got fired mm-hmm. you know so all of a sudden he gets fired now everybody's afraid of losing their jobs at the label and bands are being dropped left and right and we're still touring and we get back from tour and um and at this point I kind of really hate you know my partner in the right. band <laughs> and uh and uh I get news that that we've he been He was on like some Flavor Flav stuff every now and again like it just seemed like he would just go a little Yeah. Little, he was a little out there a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little. Right. Just a little. <laughs> uh, so they they say listen, don't worry about it like 
I I think we're going to bring you over to Warner Brothers, but um, just need you to work on some new demos. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, new demos? We just got done selling six million records. Right. Like, why do we got to work on new demos? Well, the, I wasn't so quick to jump into doing New Crazy Town. Shifty wanted to do a solo album. I helped him with that. And um, I wanted to get back into producing because our managers at the time, you know, even like before we went on our first tour, our first tour was opening for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Wow. And, um, and, and I knew we were about to be on the road and, and it was starting to pick up. I didn't even expect Crazy Town to become as big as it did. And I started telling my manager, um, I need to, we need to keep cultivating my career as a producer. producer. And he said, don't worry about that. You, you need to go on the road right now. I mean, and he just took me in a meeting with a band called Hybrid Theory that said, we really love what you want to, what you do. We would like to work with you. And I said, and this is our new singer. His name is Chester. And let's get in the studio and work on some stuff and see what happens. So we leave the meeting and I tell my manager, Peter Mensch, I was like, I want to do it. He's like, well, you can't do it because you're leaving next weekend. And we'll talk about it later. It was just like, shut up, kid. You right. know, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. And Hybrid Theory ended up becoming Lincoln Park. Wow. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. So, wow. So, so, so then, at that point, you decide just you know you kind of just do it crazy town and you just I just yeah I just went you know you're so busy doing that that stuff and it wasn't um, as easy as it is now you know ten years ago fifteen years ago to produce you know to do a lot of production work on your laptop. I mean, it kind of existed, but not the way it is now. now. I mean, like, right. the back of our tour bus was a recording studio, but we really needed the back of the bus. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like you can just put your into a backpack. And, right. And so it made it really difficult. And um, so we broke up, and I just went back into writing and producing, and the game had changed massively. And right. So was it, did, because it had changed so much and you had kind of been far removed from it, how hard was it to now get adjusted to how things were working? real tough and um and i'm kind of an introvert so like i like i i know a lot of faces but i don't know many names uh-huh. and a lot of people maybe knew me and maybe there were a lot of people i could have reached out to and like networked and like put that hustle on but i kind of live in the studio and i'm i'm kind of like i keep to myself so it was like you know made a publishing deal and I'm working on, you know, writing sessions and submitting songs to artists. And now I'm kind of back into, into that mode where I'm like having to really reach out. Nobody's, you know, they're not reaching out to to me the same way, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't like, you know, people are still picking up the phone, but the difference now is that what it used to be maybe five years before that was that you could be a, a, you know, talented writer, producer, not have a single on an album and every label had 30 acts that they had budgets for that were always working and you could always you know be jumping around from artist to artist and label to label and and make a great living and now it's like they're sending you their a-list artist with no pay and (laughs) and demo the song and if it makes the record then we'll pay you and for you as a as a writer producer you're not really even making any money unless that song is a single right. because nobody's buying albums, albums anymore. anymore. Mm-hmm. So at that point is when I just started thinking I need to get the hell out of this business. And that's when I started like kind of dipping my toes into trying to get into to films and into to post. Right. Yeah. So today. Except for working with, see, mind you, and we'll talk about it in a minute. There are certain people and certain artists that I will never get out of the recording studio to, you know, like Bishop Lamont. And, you know, there's there's a few things, you know. And I got to shout out Bishop Lamont because he is the one that actually made this interview happen. Yeah. Um, and he's so here. Why don't you jump on shout the Shout out, Bishop. I can't believe he's here this I'm early. I'm And what's crazy is that me and Bishop have a, we have a real good relationship and he was in the. He told me, "Yeah, I just did a session da, 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 with Epic," and I was like, "With who?" I was like, "Epic Wolf and Epic." I got to get him on the show. <laughs> Literally, that's what I said. I said, "I got to get him on the show." So, shout out to our Bishop Lamont, uh, who has a bunch of stuff um, coming out, and he's actually also uh, an actor now. Uh, ah. 
Oh, yeah, he, 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 I, I see him on he, TV he, all the time. Uh, all the time, he, he does commercials and things of that nature. Don't summon me. It's too much shine. Now, now I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> summon the, summon, summon yeah. the wizard. Oh, <laughs> so now I'm here. Um, epic. So now you know being involved in in, in film and in TV stuff. What 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 is your your passion at this point? What is it that is, you want to continue down that road? Do you want to maybe develop Man. artists? What what uh, do you want? Well, to do? You know, it's crazy what what the process I've been going through in the past couple of years. I joined a, a my friend's company called Sugar Studios LA, and it's kind of a a, a new blueprint for for films where we're kind of like a um, kind of all under one roof, one stop shop for independent films. So every department head has got like twenty years of, of experience. Like right. our 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 lead feature film editor worked at some of the biggest houses and has a lot ton of experience you got me on the music and the audio side of things we have you know visual effects and everything and so you have these filmmakers that are coming in and like you know the movies that are winning all the oscars that are like some of the you know the dopest movies are all independent film right and we all kind of have a passion for that so being at this company now has given me a chance to really you know learn something the way with the same kind of passion as when I when I first started doing music in the nice, first place. Nice. And 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 that creativity is sparked in the same way. So whether it be scoring a film or sound design or mixing a film, it's like I'm doing it all and right. it's super dope. Wow, that is dope. Um so do you do you see yourself and I know you say that there's certain artists that you always work with and but do you see yourself getting back on the production side as maybe trying to develop acts or maybe even trying to um, produce for certain artists that are out now or is it kind of just if it happens cool but not necessarily something that you feel that you have to do <clears throat> I, I actively every day I'm working on movies and I'm not pursuing records mm-hmm. and the records that I will do are the records that pursue me, I mm-hmm. guess. Right. Um, and it not just because I'm not going to just work on somebody's record because they asked me to. I have to be into it. But mm-hmm. you got to understand for like I'm working on a movie called Walk to Vegas right now where <clears throat> it's a comedy. It's kind of like a, a dark comedy. And there's a lot of hip hop and there's a lot of world music and there's a lot. I get to really spread my wings musically mm-hmm. and do some crazy things and music supervise and drop, you know, other artists music into the movie as well. I get to work with the director and the editor and all the creative people involved, which is an amazing experience to work with all these talented people. <clears throat> and on the music side of things, you don't have to be strapped into a formula. You don't have to worry about hitting your chorus at you know, 30 seconds. Right. You don't have to worry about all you're just painting a picture with music and you're supporting an emotional journey and a narrative. And, and that's really kind of freeing. So if it's somebody like Bishop Lamont, he's freeing in that same way too. Right. Like I was just telling Kat, my wife, my girl, we were in the car and I was, um, we were talking about the preformation and, I'm involved on that record, but not nearly as much as I probably could have been, but I didn't want to push it because... Don't mistake it with the reformation, which you can get on iTunes right now. The I mean, the reformation. The, the reformation. Oh, wait, 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 so, no, but you worked the on the reformation, too. I worked on the preformation, see, yeah, see yeah. how special I am? Look who I get to work with. You didn't even know all this time. Continue, yeah. though. It's a shameless plug. So, <laughs> so, so I'm just, you know, I'm lending my energy to Bishop whenever I can right. and whenever he wants it. And instead of me, like... I got to come up with 10 tracks to make sure they make it onto Your Bishop's album. album. Right. I know that time is going to come, you know, and I did some stuff on, on his records, but it's like, there's going to be something real special that we do. I that's, agree. that's going to, you know, stand on its own. I'll stand in here for a moment and say, he, he, he knows how to make it a really, excuse the pun, epic experience when it comes to the songs uh-huh. so on the reformation he helped me really hone in on that skill set on songs like lost and on um here we go again he co-produced that with willie b uh-huh. with my daughter who's here with me right now shouts out to kenny shameless promotion <laughs> but he knows how to bring out 
a richness and a and a and a and a deeper depth of 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 the music, the musicality. You know what I'm saying? Right. Instead of it just being one or two dimensional. Like it's it's like how Stephen Hawkins sees, you know what I'm saying? He sees how many how many dimensions? Like eleven? Eleven? Thirty? <laughs> oh, I don't some, know. Something. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's that's how it is working with this guy. So I'll leave right. it there. Back to you. I'm quiet. Right. I'm fortunate. I'm fortunate. I'm, I'm fortunate to to know people like this and and call him a big brother, call him family, and be able to learn and really take his experience and his knowledge and pour it into what I've been working on and taking my artistry and thinking when approaching songs to another level. And that's courtesy of him. You right. know what I mean? So back to you. I'm quiet. Um, Reformation on iTunes, iTunes right now. Pick it up. platforms. But, <laughs> show July 27th. You know, the, the, the thing is... <laughs> gotta it, sell it. Yeah, you gotta sell it. Bishop, <laughs> Bishop is like a brother. And... Um, I'm really, you know, the thing is, is like I knew with Bishop and it's kind of like I've always kind of like figured the universe is going to take care of what's supposed to happen Mm -hmm. in the right way. I mean, like the whole new edition thing to begin with, you know, like I'm look at, you know, like I'm, you know, you can flash forward from me being 11 playing drums to Candy Girl to all of a sudden. I was playing drums for Belle Biv DeVoe. They didn't have a drummer. Right. We just got done with that record. And they said, we're going on tour. We don't have a drummer yet. Will you come play drums for us? Wow. And Crazy. there I am. Play- and if you look at BBD on the Apollo, that's me playing play drums, drums with them. Right. So, And you're in one of the vi- what videos. Is this? You're playing drums in the video. Yeah, I thought it was me. I thought it was me. Which was my, wow. one of my, my records. Right. And, uh, was I in Do Me? No, I wasn't in Do Me, but that was enough. But, the, you know, like for that to happen and then like Prince, who's one of my mentors, you know, like all of a sudden like Benny Medina's like... Prince wants you to do remixes for him, and I'm like, what? You know, <laughs> that was that was a whole other crazy thing. Like, you see how easy he said Prince, Pr- right? Yeah, like, right. Just no, what I'm Freddy saying, Prince Junior. Right. Prince. <laughs> then his 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 lawyer says uh, he wants to, and they call him he. Right. He wants to sign you exclusively to Paisley Park. Wow. Yeah, and I and. I couldn't do that because I'm a huge Prince fan, and I know whoever gets signed to Paisley Park disappears. Right. Mm. You never hear from them again. Witness protection program. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Kind of, kind of like Dr. Dre. Yeah. Oh, hold up. Oh, I have oh, nothing I'm to do sorry. with that. Hold, hold, up. hold, up. hold, up. hold up. All of a sudden, Bishop, you want to bring that up? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't get me in trouble. I didn't say it, Dre. And I guess, I guess the same thing happens when you don't sign that paperwork. Right. You never work you with them again. <laughs> right. Right. That was that. Yeah. Wow. AM Caffeine Show. Legendary epic in the building, man. Uh, epic, thank you so much. Just for the the information, crap. And I, I think I know stuff. He dropped some stuff I had no idea about. The Throwdown Twins. Wait till I call Ronnie and them and tell them I know about the Throwdown Twins origin. <laughs> um, AM Caffeine Show. So epic. Are you heavy on if folks want to get at you or kind of see what you're doing? Are you uh, into social media I'm, at all? Really? Yeah, I, um, yeah, I'm on my social media. You can find me and and. Uh, I'm over at SugarStudiosLA.com, and you could see kind of projects that we're working on. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really like. I don't go on my Facebook that much, right? But, um, well, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Y'all find him. Go Google him or something. And there he is, and maybe he'll respond. Uh, you know, who cares? We have the music, yeah, and that's what on, it's about. I think he's on Instagram. I think you on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm Brett yeah. Mazer. Brett Mazer. B R E T M A Z. I was trying to pull it. I was letting to see if he was going to do it. But he's so not concerned with that world. Like you know how long I've been doing this. I'm in real life. The cool thing was with with Crazy Town. It was like I got you know I kind of run those pages, right? But it was Crazy Town, and I kept my personal stuff. Kind of personal, personal. You did crazy town stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. There it is. And yeah. thank Caffeine you, show. Hey, Doc. Thank no, you for having no, me. Thank man. you. Huge fan. Appreciate all the uh, music you've done, and really has been uh, that BBD was a soundtrack to my life for years, and still is. I listen to BBD every week, like I hadn't heard it before, and I. I Definitely before well, you I were even at the show, days. you were just recently at the show Man, last I pro- week, right? I've probably gone to 60 or 70. Did you hear editions. something wow. about a new edition getting back together? Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that off air because I don't, yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> okay. 
I'm, I'm just it's asking. I don't yeah, know no, anything. I heard about it, but yeah. it's one of those things. If you sign with Prince, you may never see him again. So, you know, Sid Ars again. If you want them to answer your call. There you go. AM Caffeine Show. Thank you so much for Epic uh, rocking with us. Smooth D, anything to say in closing? Uh, man, this has been like a plethora of knowledge. I never knew he was so connected to so many different musical factions. Like, I'm just blown away right now. Hey, you have to be factions. I, I'm kind of, you know what? Before? I'm kind of blown away too after <laughs> so, uh, hearing all that. But when uh, you go back, you look, you're like, you're like, dang, I've accomplished a lot. But right. you, you guys, don't really look at it because it's like your life and you do it all the You guys had me sharing like it was an AA meeting. We love here. that. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what I want. I, I, I want to get all the information. My name is Brett and I'm an alcoholic. There it is. Uh, and I'm Caffey a dope sure. producer. <laughs> right. And Caffey, so you guys enjoy your day. Smooth D, we out. Peace.